0: Hey, welcome to today's episode of the High With Those Podcast. Today, I have special guest, Josh Lawler. We are going to do a brief introduction on him real quick. Welcome to today's episode. I hope you stay tuned for the mix and see what we're talking about today. So Josh, where, were we talk, where are you from? Uh, what part of the country are you from today? And nice to meet you. Hi, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, good to, good to be here. Good to be on. I'm in, the, uh, I'm in the Northeast, so I'm outside of New York City. So yeah, about uh, 45 minutes outside of the city. I've only been
0: to New York once, and I used to be a truck driver, so I was traveling through New York, and I was like, my GPS is like, oh, go through New York City. I'm like, I haven't been to New York City. Let me let yes. me just do it. I ended up paying like a $115 toll, and then I ended okay. up taking a wrong road that was cars only, trying to get back to the little freeway that went around the city. Yeah. That was my experience with uh, New York City
1: yeah i don't recommend uh i don't recommend driving a truck through new york city it can be uh it can be challenging even i remember you know actually living in the city when i was younger and you know moving i remember i was helping a friend move once and we had a moving truck that we were driving and we were parking it but the street happened to be on a a fire engine route thoroughfare and so like every 20 minutes a fire truck came by and one of us had to run down move the truck drive around the block so yeah yeah not easy not an easy city for trucks that is, sounds like a nightmare. I, I think moving in
0: general just scares me. And then moving in a big city, just, I don't know. That doesn't sound fun at all. I think the no parking thing annoys me.
1: <laughs> parking is parking is challenging. And, that, and that's why that's why we moved out years ago. So, yep.
0: <laughs> that's funny. Let's list your little ways of rates in the city. You still get the advantage of the city, but you're not yep. in the city. That's right. That's right. You just got to deal with the traffic whenever you want to go.
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. let talk about a little bit of what you do. I want to stop this interview because I think you have a very unique niche. And I love hearing stories and uh, this, just different strategies about real estate. Just because there's so many like vast strategies. And I think I, I, that's one of the big reasons why I love talking. I love podcasting in general anyways, because there's a million strategies out there. And I love talking to people that have their own unique strategies. So can you tell people a little bit about what you do and how you do it? Let's kind of jump into that.
1: Yeah, sure. So, you know, before before we get into the kind of the real estate niche, I think we're we're going to be talking about more. I'll talk a little bit about my background in real estate. Yeah, so set 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 the scene a little bit, a little bit of a little bit of context. So, I think you know, like like a lot of people who're sort of working kind of office office jobs, sort of always looking for ways to get out. You know, develop uh, pass build up passive income, and of course, kind of stumbled into stumbled into real estate. The first experience in real estate was actually what I would call a long-term live-in flip. So, you know, this is kind right. of going, going way back just after the, the financial crisis of 2008. So I wish I could take credit for being smart about buying at that time, but it was simply just, we were having a baby and needed, uh, needed more space. It just, yep. you know, timing worked out. And so my wife and I, we, we bought a house, uh, again, moved outside of the city, and uh, we bought kind of the, you know, the classic, ugliest house on the block, right? Like this thing was a nice neighborhood, but you know, kitchen was a time capsule to 1984, you know, very very dated, very old. We knew that we would do some work on it, try to try to add some value, you know, but it took us uh it took us a couple of years. And and speaking of speaking of trucks by the way, so interesting story on this this renovation. So, after living there for a couple of years, we decided to do a, a gut renovation and addition. It was kind of a strangely configured in addition to the, the really old kitchen and, and kind of dated everything. And so I actually had a brother-in-law in Canada who worked in uh, kind of condo, condo development. So he had access to, you know, materials at, at better pricing than, than we could get. And so, you know, kind of budgets, we we're sort of definitely looking at the, the bottom line and the budget. So we actually ended up, ordering all of our kitchen cabinets and all of our hardwood flooring sort of getting it through sort of that cost from my brother-in-law which meant though that i would have to drive a, a big truck to to bring everything to bring everything down and so definitely an interesting you know you learn a lot about the sort of the manifests and the paperwork that you need to you know kind of you're essentially treated as like as like an importer to cross the border in a truck but the benefit was I was able to go through the truck lane, which was super fast, and so I didn't have to wait at the uh, at the border at all coming uh, coming back. So, you know, I don't know. Don't be afraid to go far afield for you know you might get uh, might be where the better deal is, and you can kind of save save there.
2: This show is sponsored by HiveMind CRM.
0: How far is the drive for you? Because I know New York is depending on what part of New York it can be really close. To the borders right there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, because we're closer to, to New York City, and this is going up into the Toronto area. Probably about a normal, like in good conditions, about an eight-hour drive. So this Ooh. was a yeah, a lengthy uh, a lengthy drive, but we loaded the loaded the truck up and and drove it back. And yeah, no, got a great great deal on materials. So.
0: No, I, I, you got to be resourceful sometimes. So I, I, I credit you for that. And then I think uh, a lot of people would be done. I don't want to cross the border. That sounds like a whole headache.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, did did that, you know, ended up, we renovated, did an addition, lived in the house for another, you know, another couple of years. And then that actually is, we created a lot of value when we did that gut renovation and, and addition. And so through, by doing that, we were able to, Create a lot of equity. You know, did a got a home equity line of credit, and that was actually what we used to start investing in single family rentals. And we actually invested in the started not locally near where we are, but instead we went down to the southeast. So the Atlanta region, the um, Jacksonville, and this is now about 2016 or so. Okay. and picked up a few single family rentals. You know, I was I was new. I was I was nervous about kind of like, you know, making the wrong investment or or losing money, but we actually worked through a at the time it was a startup, it was a company called Roofstock, which is kind of a turn turnkey heard of that. Yeah, so Very you know, large, right? What's that? They're, they're huge now, right? Roofstock? They, yeah, they they've grown, but back then they were kind of kind of just starting out. So we sort of took a chance with them, but what I liked was that they put together all of the due diligence and and kind of sort of inspections. And it really kind of gave me a, more of a comfort level in terms of what what I was investing in. And they connected us with, of course, property management that they had vetted, etc. And so, yeah, that was really the kind of the entry into so we we purchased long distance and kind of worked through a property manager. And it's funny when I was when we were first looking at these, my wife and I, we were kind of running the numbers and, you know, looking at the monthly cash flow, um, and focused on that. But What's really benefited us over the years is just, you know, the appreciation, and especially in these markets where, uh, you know, values have, have gone up quite a bit. All, all of those properties that we purchased have, you know, more than, more than doubled in price since we, we purchased them. So, yeah, so, you know, kind of did the single family. We still, we still have those. Along the way, we picked up some multifamily, some small, what I will call small multifamily, two to four unit apartments. In kind of a little bit, a little bit closer to home, and again, just kind of trying, trying different areas of real estate, seeing how they, how they did. You know, it's been interesting. Some, some have been more successful than others, right? And and the cash flow is never, never as like it pencils out. You know, when you're doing the, when you're doing the math after you deal with repairs and and maintenance and things like that. But like I said, the the single family homes did, you know, did did pretty well. Created a lot of equity again, and we're able to, you know, we cash out refi those a couple times actually. And we ended up then selling our primary home and actually moving and doing another kind of fixer upper, just like we had done before. And that's in the current the current home that I'm in now. And that kind of brings us to when we started doing sort of getting into the renting for film shoots, which is so again, I, I give you a lot of background there. Because it's not like, you know, we jumped right in and started doing film shoot rentals, we kind of went through a lot of the traditional aspects of real estate investing i think a lot of people do single family rentals you know you uh live and flip you know small multi-families etc so
0: oh i think everybody has their path and there's almost like a, an epiphany that happens you're like hey let's try, like you kind of hear about it or kind of kind of fall into it and like oh let's try it and it works out great yeah. and then like everybody's like real estate's passive income and then you realize you gotta do repairs and they you can yep. see for six months, and you're like, yeah. oh, no, it's not so passive anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: yep, absolutely.
0: Uh, so don't shoot rentals, like, what was, like, the initial bug? Like, was it, like, like somebody, like, dropped it on your lap, like, hey, should check this out? Or was it, like, one of those things where, like, hey, look, let's try this thing. I don't know.
1: See yeah, the- so, so someone had, you know, we were, we were, we were talking to someone, and, and someone sort of mentioned it, right? And just kind of, like, planted the seed that it was a thing. You know, like we didn't even we didn't even know it was we didn't even know it was a thing. And, you know, we had just sort of renovated uh, and, and rebuilt the current the current house. And so we figured we figured, you know what, let's uh let's try this. Let's get some pictures. uh Let's get some pictures taken and let's sort of fi- try to f- see if we can figure this out. And, you know, obviously le- learned a lot along the way, you know, made a made a lot of mistakes. But, you know, I think it's it's one of those niches of real estate that just, it's not very well known. And I think that there are a lot of misconceptions about it. So whenever I talk to people about it, they often kind of come up with immediately like a number of uh, myths or sort of misconceptions about it that I think are probably worth, worth talking through for people. So uh, Daniel, what's your first thought? When you think of film shoot rentals, you know, what's kind of like the first thing that you think you need to have to make it work?
0: So the reason why it caught my eye, because I, I used to live, in, I lived in Atlanta for six years, okay. six and a half yep. years and so, a long time. And Atlanta is a big film, film area. Yep. There was an investor that I, I followed to his day on Facebook. I've never spoken to him. I've reached out to him, never connected. His name is Jay Crawford. If you're watching this, I'm watching the podcast, but <laughs> I, I've been I've watching him for a while and he, he was building like these new builds and he eventually, people started connecting with him. Like he was building them to sell. But he, like he's people are like oh can i film a music video at your house yep and i remember his first post years ago it was probably two three years ago and he's like sure like how much how much are we talking about so he started posting his little journey of like people would ask him to like he had like two or three music videos filmed at his house mm-hmm. and then his videos came out and he's putting the video on where his house was so it was, it was a really cool experience seeing his house on, on music videos so after I saw that, and then he said people would book it for like private dinners or something. Hmm. So I'm like, this is like, this is like, I feel like it's like a, a not Airbnb because no one's staying there. It's more for like activity rentals of like yeah. a peer space or something like that, almost mm-hmm. like that type of rental. Yeah. But it was a little different because he was making a lot of money charging for the, for the, like people would block it for like five hours and he'd charge them like 10, 15 grand. I'm like, what the heck?
1: Yeah. It's very- yeah, and, and it sounds like he's got a very nice house but so you you tell me i haven't I haven't seen it but yeah you you said a couple of things there that are worth i think diving into so we we've also done music videos that's not my you know kind of first first recommendation and and we can we okay. can get into that but you know the other thing you said is you and i thought you were going to bring up la but you brought up atlanta which is like you said is another kind of it's actually a pretty big hub for for the film for the film industry but you know one of the top misconceptions that people have when they when they hear film shoots is, oh, I've got to I've got to be near LA, right? Like I've got to be near Hollywood. But when we say film shoots, and, and you kind of touched on it, right, with a few different things you talked about, music videos, uh, I and mean, you mentioned meetings, but what I would what I would bring up is that most of the shoots that we do are commercial shoots. So when we're, you know, most people think of feature films and like these huge productions. But what we're really talking about is one day commercial shoots, either video or, you know, still photography. Uh, these are, you know, businesses, companies, startups that need to create content. And if you think about it, startups, businesses, any kind of companies, they exist all across the country and internationally, not not to mention outside, outside of the U.S. as well. And, you know, everyone has a website that they need to keep up to date. Everyone has social media that they need to create content for. So, you know, there's a need for locations to film and create this content in all across the country, wherever wherever there are businesses. So I think you know the first myth is that you can do this anywhere. You don't have to be near a big city. You don't have to be near LA. And so I think that's that's kind of important to sort of something important to say. I think the other piece is, you know, the next thing that people typically think about is they think you know, I need to live in an amazing house for this to work, you know, I need to be on some like oceanfront mansion and, and look, you know, sure, there are shoots that, you know, look for that. And that's what they're looking for. But most shoots are, you know, looking for well, let me say this, every shoot has a unique requirement. And therefore, sort of every location requirement is is different. And, you know, it may be worth sort of sharing, I learned this early on, because we had a, we had an inquiry from a it was an online platform that helped parents search for childcare for their, uh, for their kids. Think, think you know, looking for a babysitter or, or a nanny or something like that. Okay. And, and they wanted to refresh their website content. And so they scheduled a scouting visit to come to, to check out the house. And the director came with the producer and a couple members of the crew walked around, you know, checked out the lighting. They said, okay, you know, we've got to, Few few other locations to look at. We'll give you a call in a couple of days. And they called me back and they said, Josh, you know, we really loved your house, but because we're, you know, we have a site that caters to parents, to little kids. We're looking for something that kind of looks like you've got like rambunctious little kids. Like some, you know, we're looking for a little more clutter, a little more wear and tear, something a little older. So, you know, like, and that's
0: my house right now. Like it's it's ready for you. <laughs>
1: there, there There you go. And so, you know, I think that just kind of like illustrates the point that again, every shoot is different. And so sometimes in this case, you know, we had just renovated our house. They were looking for something that was like, looked older because that was like, they just wanted it to look more realistic to a house with like a young family with like little, little kids who were, you know, going crazy. And, and just one more, there was another time when we actually had a, uh, unfortunately we had this plumbing disaster. So we woke up and this is like after the newly renovated house, we have been there for like a year, came downstairs in the morning the entire first floor was flooded with water so overnight a water filter under the kitchen sink had like burst and water was just running like all night long we ultimately had to demo the entire kitchen replace all the wood flooring on the entire first floor it was like back to uh construction like i'm talking like ripping out ripped out all the cabinets all the countertops like everything had to be replaced it was it was kind of crazy but so, so during this time you know this is like a months long repair during this time, of course, I'm getting inquiries from potential shoots and I'm having to like email back and say, geez, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Like we had this thing. We'll, we are renovate. We'll be back in business in like three or four months. If you're, you know, still interested, let's get in touch then. But this one inquiry said, oh, that that's okay. And then, so it turns out that this shoot was for a startup that sold utility monitoring equipment So when I say that, think something like little devices that attach to like your electrical and your gas line and your water line to let you know if there's an issue. And so when they heard like we had this flood, they're like, oh, oh, yeah, that's fine. And and actually, like, like, can we shoot in like the destroyed area of your house so we can show customers what happens if you don't use our product? And so they came and did a shoot like they were in the basement. They were in like the under repair area. So you just... You never know what the requirements of a shoot is going to be. And so that's why, like, I always say, like, kind of every house or apartment, like, there's a shoot for every house or apartment. And don't worry that your house isn't some, you know, like architectural digest, like structure.
0: In my head, I would have been like, yes, but I want a free
2: sample.
1: (laughs) Well, that's another benefit. We've actually got case. It's funny you say that because the last shoot we did was for Water Company. Like bottled water, not not like flooding water, but um, yeah. And there's some new line of uh, collagen water. Have you heard of this? Like they put collagen in the water. I mean, it's flavored, so it tastes good, I and mean, you're getting. There's, the
0: always there's always something in the water.
1: There's always something vitamins. Col- <laughs> now it's collagen, and so we've just got like you know they're like oh you guys want some of this we're like sure so you know we've just got we've probably got a lifetime supply now of collagen collagen water from from the most recent shoot. So yeah. Anyway, those are just like some of the let's see i think we touched on like some of the some of the misconceptions that that people have you know when they think about film shoots the question i have is is there like a marketplace
0: for this where people are looking for certain
1: houses yeah yeah so there there are a number of there are a number of platforms out there i mean you you yourself you mentioned Peer space that's that's one of them and i think well, a couple of ways to do this. When I first started, you know, we thought that maybe we'd have to go through location scouts, right? These are kind of more like freelancers yeah. who look for, you know, for the audience maybe doesn't know. They have a bunch of locations that they're aware of, and then they they have a client who's doing a shoot, and then they'll sort of connect the two. I actually that may work for some people. I actually recommend going through a platform like 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 a beer space. There are but whatever platform you use, there are a few things to to keep in mind that you wanna you wanna look for that make a good platform. So you know the first thing is you obviously want to check to see if the platform covers where you live. So you know, some platforms are nationwide and even international, but others are very specific to a certain area. So you don't wanna you don't wanna waste your time you know putting up your home on a platform if you're living in Texas and the platform only you know handles Florida, something like that. So um, that's one. I think you also want to check a platform to see if it is free to list. So a lot of platforms out there will gladly take your money to put up some pictures of your house. But and and I've tried those. But in my experience, platforms that are free to list are, you know, you get plenty of uh, plenty of inquiries. And their business model is typically taking a percentage of the of the revenue from either you or the shoot. I think, you know, something else to look for in a platform is. Pricing transparency. What do I mean by that? I mean being able to actually list your your fee. And, and we can kind of get into I think some of the some of the benefits of film shoot rental profitability versus maybe other areas of real estate in a in a bit, but the pricing transparency is super important. So this will A, you know, just save you from wasted time. So there's nothing worse than, you know, and I've dealt with location scouts, you sort of invest time having a conversation, maybe they come a visit. And then you learn that, you know, the budget of the production is like half of what your, you know, normal rate is. And so you've just kind of wasted your time. And so I think, you know, that's important to be able to set your rate. And I think also pricing flexibility is also very important. And what I mean by that is, I mean, can you set different rates depending on the shoot size? So there are some platforms that are a little bit more limited in how you can promote your your home, they might just offer, you know, one one daily rate, right. And that's better than, you know, no rate. But then what happens? I mean, there's a pretty big difference between a five person shoot and a 40 person shoot. And, yes. you know, pro, pro tip, you want to charge more for the for the bigger shoots, right. And so the platforms that allow you to set some tiered pricing, I think is is important. And that's, that's kind of a, an attribute that you want to look for. What else? I think schedule flexibility. So, you know, the thing about film shoots is you want to really kind of do them when you want to, right? So, you know, a platform that allows you to say, okay, I only want to do shoots during the week, and I don't want to do any on the weekends, right? You can sort of set calendar, calendar scheduling for availability is important, you know, setting a a maximum size, we talked about, you know, kind of shoot sizes, like for me personally, you know, 40, 45 is probably the, the max, like I don't want like 100 people sort of descending on my, on my house. It couldn't fit the, that many people, and it would be too disruptive. So you, know, you want to find a platform that's going to allow you to set a maximum number of people. You know, minimum number of hours is, is another thing that you want to look for, right? And we talked about to so come back to the music video. So, you know, early on, we did a music video, and I love music as much as anyone else, but I found that in my experience, musicians are they're creative types, right? So they're not, you know, like the the ones that we had, they came, they showed up three hours late, because they didn't account for traffic. And so then they had to they had to stay late. And it typically doesn't take as long, though, to shoot a music video as like, what I would call a a professional commercial production. So like, typical product commercial production is going to be like, usually 10 to 12 hours. So kind of like a full day. And those are the types of shoots that I try to attract, and there are some reasons for that, obviously kind of the, the more hours the the higher the profitability. but there are some interesting tax benefits to film shoots in terms of just optimizing the number of days per year that we can get into uh, as well if any of your audience might be familiar with the Augusta rule and kind of how that works okay uh, I do have
0: a question okay yeah. so you have. Your your property itself might be different size or different sizes if you have multiple properties, yep. and you might charge based off the people, and you might charge based off of what type of shoot it is. So there's different variables that kind of yep. weigh in.
1: Size of the shoot, yep.
0: On all that, so how do you how do you like get that price transparency? Because I think there's a lot of different variables. Yeah, that, yeah, that weigh in there.
1: Yeah, no, pricing is how how you price is definitely part part art part science. So when we first started, we vastly underpriced, okay? And and I know that because again, we had no idea, right? And so we said, okay, we again in our minds, we were kind of anchoring to that traditional traditional real estate rental. And so just to, you know, kind of maybe we talk a little bit about like sort of what the potential profitability is here and and how film shoots compare to you know, long-term rentals. Um, you know, I think if you have a typical, if you think of like a typical in you know, a mid-priced area of the country, like a three-bedroom, two-bath type house, you know, might rent for like fifteen hundred a month, right, or two thousand yeah. a month on like a twelve-month lease. That same house, you know, if you Airbnb it by the by the night maybe you could get, you know, a couple hundred bucks a night, right? So, you know, you rent that out half the time, you're going to be more profitable than the long term rental. Film shoots kind of take it to the next level, because your rate is charging by the hour. Okay, so that's kind of as we talked about. And this is why, you know, I like to kind of optimize to do shoots that are going to and I set a minimum number of hours, and want to optimize for the the tax benefits we'll get into in a second but back to your back to your question so you know so my house currently so when we first started we listed our house for 300 an hour okay and you know we are in a uh, like i said we're in the northeast sort of outside of new york so we're in a higher higher cost part of the country all right so you know like everything that's going to prices are going to kind of cost a living are going to fluctuate and we knew we underpriced it because we were immediately inundated with requests so we were getting like like the emails were coming in from from the platform saying like oh hey can i You know, I want to do this, but I want to. You know, can we shoot? Are you free on this day? But we're and we got a lot of actually like a lot of music video requests from people who just wanted to do one hour, two hours, and and look for anyone listening. I would recommend hour minimum, right? Like you want to set your first of all, you set like some minimum hours, and you'll you'll screen out what I'll call sort of problematic renters. Because and if you think and again from experience. You know, it takes at least an hour to set up. It takes at least an hour to, to tear down. So anyone who's telling you, oh yeah, I only need one hour or two hours, I would, my recommendation is to stay away from that. So you do $300 an
0: hour, three hour minimum. So it's, if you're not going to leave the house for 900 bucks, you know? <laughs> well,
1: I we actually have a, well, I mean, our minimum is is actually, you know, six hours now and, and our rate is now 600 an hour. So we we landed Ooh. on like 600 an hour. And because also we wanted to, you know, You want
0: want to target the right audience with the right
1: price. Yeah. So, so that'll basically what that'll do is it'll screen out just like if anyone's been involved in, you know, traditional real estate renting sometime, if you have like really low rent units, sometimes that attracts, that can attract problematic tenants. I think it's the same thing with film shoots. If you underprice, you know, if you say, oh yeah, I'm going to, sure, you can come for just an hour. You're going to get, you're going to get, you know, what I'll call less professional renters the kind of shoots that i like are the very professional commercial you know these are like you know it's got a professional professional producer they're they're working with a with a client they're promoting a product and it's like a very well-run machine so i've found that you know we it wasn't always like that we definitely had more you know kind of when we first started but we learned sort of raised our raised our price you know set the minimum number of hours that that we allow and what that also does is it limits the number of shoot days per year. You may be wondering like, oh, why do you want to limit the number of shoot days per year? You know, but for us, we're living in the house and look, you know, as great as film shoots are, I don't want to do them every day, right? So there's a there's a happy medium and I view it as a real complementary niche of real estate to to other areas of investment as well. And there's so there's something that, you know, goes it's called the Augusta rule for anyone not familiar with it. And this is and again, I'm not a tax professional, I always consult your tax advisor, but the Augusta rule says that and the the history is the Mass, I think, maybe in the '70s or so, the Masters Golf Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. Locals would rent out their homes to people visiting to come through the golf tournament, and they they lobbied Congress to make a rule that said that they, they can rent for up to two weeks, 14 days, without paying any taxes on the income. So that's a that's a pretty big benefit in in real estate and for film shoot rentals, especially, is well suited to that because you know unlike a you might have an Airbnb that you want to obviously rent out as much as you can you're quickly going to exceed 14 days per year but if it's your home that you're renting for film shoots you can try to optimize to hit you know just hit that 14 days per year number and again if you minimize if you if you set those minimum hours you can do pretty well and get 14 shoots and they will and all of the income will be tax free from those from those shoots so you know just to Kind of give you give you a sense, right? Like in my yeah. house, six hundred. We our rate is six hundred per hour. You know, a, 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 like a professional day for a shoot, twelve hour day, seventy two hundred a day, times fourteen days is about a hundred grand, and we don't pay any taxes on that. So that's the equivalent of like one hundred fifty grand, say before before tax. So, you know, again, that that's why I recommend you want to kind of optimize professional professional crews, professional shoots. You know minimum number of hours. And again, there's no if look, if you want to go for it and rent as many days as you can, you'll you'll be fine. But again, for me, it's personal. For me, personally, I like to kind of find that medium one two shoots a month. That's that works nicely for me.
0: That is amazing to make $100,000 tax free. Now, that's huge. That's huge. So the reason why I booked this interview is because we own uh, me and my partner own a house in Texas. It's a it's like a five-bed, nine-bath,
1: 5,400-square-foot okay. 5, house. Oh, wow. Big house. Okay. texas I, size. You say it was in Texas? In Texas. A texas size house. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's a Texas-sized house. And right now, we just use it as our office. And people go in there maybe a couple hours a day in one part of the house. And the rest of the house is just there. So, like, whenever we do events or stuff comes people come to town, they'll use it. Yeah. So, like, I, I just went to Texas to do um, – we were doing uh, – Oh, actually, I to just pass through. I was doing a road trip. Okay. And I just passed through Texas. So I stayed there a week in the house. So I'm like, it has its own little benefit, you know? So yeah. we're, we're, we've are we been trying to find a way to monetize it, which is why I scheduled this interview because you're doing, you're doing the thing. Oh, this too. is,
1: this is perfect. And it's funny because there have been other, other podcast hosts who had like s- similar, similar situations where they had something else and they're like, oh yeah, like we could be using this property for, for film shoot rentals. And, that's actually perfect. I mean, not perfect, but I'll say it's, it's almost even easier. Cause if you're not living there, if you're, if you're just using it for an office now, and by the way, another misconception that we didn't talk about before, you know, you choose which areas of the house you're going to allow for film shoots. So, you know, for me, we, a couple of areas of our house are off limits. One, my older daughter, right. Yeah. She, she just said, nope, sorry and if you have a teenager you know you, you can't argue so we said fine okay your your rooms off limits and the room i use for my home office is is off limits so you know if you're using this house as an office that's fine you know you're you're going to put your house up for for film shoots you just don't show any pictures of the rooms that are off limits right and and that's fine and by the way you know when i first started I had some preconceptions of like which areas that are like ooh are you know our kitchen's nice like that's what they're they're going to want to use and you know I told the story of that utility monitoring company that like you know shot in our unfinished basement but we've had inquiries for like parts of the house that you just never would would have thought of so we had a roofing company that contacted us and they just wanted to like take drone footage of our roof (laughs) right like nothing inside like just the outside we also had a. Uh, there was a well-known vodka company that wanted to do a tailgating scene like in our driveway. Right. And so, you know, it's just, yeah, you should totally look into it.
0: They, uh, I, and I, I really want and for everybody here, that's listening podcast hosts, they do stuff for their own benefit. So if you listen to this, you just apply on the wall. So don't, don't, this is for me to hit. <laughs> right. So I <laughs> just want to acknowledge that. Um <laughs> no one one thing I, I I really like about this niche is that it doesn't really matter about the house is that people need just ABC house doesn't have to look at anything special for whatever they need it for and that I think the roofing one is a perfect example like you just can't go to anybody's house and film on their house you just can't do that
1: yeah yeah and and I would also add that you know people may be wondering like well don't these you know why do these companies that are you know creating content for their website or a new product line like why can't they just use a studio? And, and I've asked the same question. So I always ask, like, when the producers come and the directors, they like, so so why can't you guys just, like, especially when it's, uh, you know, like, we had, we, for some reason, like, our house attracts uh, companies that create either, like, clothes or, like, products for, like, toddlers and babies. So we've had, you know, a number of shoots uh, for that. And I always ask, them like, why can't you guys just film this at a studio? And they said, you know, there's something about a house that it just feels more real and authentic. So it's like, you know, the angles, the windows, real, real lighting,
0: yeah, real, real lighting, real windows. I and mean, then you can fake that, but it's a different aesthetic. And yeah. I think, I think those uh, creative directors, they understand that. So they'd rather put it as much as possible into the actual yeah. real thing. If they, if they have the opportunity yeah. to Yeah, not saying they can't do the studio, but I mean, creating a studio from A to Z is I mean, probably going to cost more than seven grand.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I'll say too a couple of things, it's funny when you were telling me about this house that you and your partner had, I I thought you were going to go in a different direction. I thought you were going to say, like, you you rented out for Airbnb because one of the things that, like, a lot of Airbnb investors are pretty fascinated by film shoot rentals and they've never heard of it because if you think about your typical Airbnb, those are rented on the weekends, right? Long weekends when people want a getaway, right? Like a Friday to a Monday. But film shoot rentals, again, the professional ones, the approach that I I teach in, in my course is the ones that you want to attract are typically during the week. And so it's a really nice compliment for, you know, if you're a, if you're, if you've got an Airbnb that you're renting out on the weekends, put it up for film shoots and, you know, you can start to fill those vacancies during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, et, et cetera. So.
0: Uh, I, I like the strategy. Now, do you, are you providing like anything else? You just pretty much like give them the the location. You tell them the off limits. I'm sure like locked doors, or you kind of give them like a layout, like you have. A, I'm sure you have a packet when they come in, like, "Hey, these are off limits. These are all, like you got to have some of those like uh, processes, even yeah. into your house." Yeah. No, let's, absolutely. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about like rules and regulations. I'm sure you have a packet you give everybody that comes to the house.
1: Yeah. So I, I definitely recommend, and I, I sort of teach this as well, that you know you want to you want to put together your house rules. Yeah. That's de- that's definitely part of it, right? Like, you know, you learn you learn the hard way. So this music video that we did. You know, they they bought these, uh, you know, like the kind of flowers you buy at like a convenience store. <laughs> it's like really cheaper. Like they're dyed red, I think. You know, and so they were like throwing these flower petals, and they got all over the the wood floor. It came out, but it was like you Excellent. learn to you you learn to have like a no like a no glitter rule. You know, like stuff that's going to be hard to stuff that's going to be hard to clean. But I think in addition to the house rules, there's a lot of communication strategies and and techniques that. know again i talk about this a lot in 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 the course that i run but you really want to ensure that you're over communicating so i've had the experience where uh, just just give an example right so if you if you agree on a shoot that it's going to run from 8 a.m to 6 p.m that that's pretty typical right i mean that's a that's a 10 hour that's a 10 hour shoot pretty typical start time pretty typical end time you would think that that's pretty straightforward right 8 a.m start you show up at eight. It's not the case. So we've had, you know, I'll, I'll never forget the time that I was actually just getting out of the shower, six thirty a.m. I hear the I hear the doorbell ring at six thirty for an eight o'clock shoot, and it's kind of like, wh- what are you guys doing? Like we're we're starting at eight a.m. And they're like, oh yeah, well we're not really going to start filming. We're just going to load in the equipment and and get set up. So you know, to be clear, and anyone thinking about doing this you want to, you're charging the entire time. Okay, like there, there's no, like, the start time is when they can arrive and start setting up. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I still gotta pack the kids up. Like, come on, guy. <laughs> it, 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 exactly. So, so back to your question. Yeah, there are a lot of sort of templates that I follow that I've developed, uh, in addition to the in addition to the house rules, just to make sure that and, and touch points kind of Leading up to the shoot, so it really starts with kind of that first interaction. You're doing some. There's a screening process that I've I've developed to kind of weed out what I call problematic uh, problematic renters. You only want to get kind of the top the top renters. And then once you've decided on it, yeah, it's that it's that communication. Um, you know, and then there are other techniques even the day of the shoot for how you can you know make that run smoothly um, by having some repeatable process in place.
0: Yeah. And that, that's why I really want to get done to the business of it because everything should have a process. Everything should have a system. And whether the system you're using helps you with some of that, you still need to have house rules. You still need to have a disposition process when they leave. If they trash the house, there's going to be a fine in place. You got to make sure you state that up front. Yeah. Like you got to, you got to make sure you lay out A to Z, yeah. everything that can will and might happen.
1: Not, yeah, not, not to mention, you know, you need to sort of be aware of any local regulations right, that uh, that you might be subject to. So and, and I will say, like, people shouldn't be scared of, of local regulations. And I, I always recommend people sort of stay above board and, you know, fo- yeah. follow any local regulations to which you're subject, just most towns and municipalities, whether you're in a city or a, a suburb or a small town, most municipalities have some kind of filming policy. Okay, so you know, it's just a matter of finding what that policy is, you know, maybe you need a permit, don't be scared of needing a permit. Uh, any professional crew that you're working with will be used to having to obtain a permit you know, from your local municipality. If, if they kind of balk at that permit requirement, that's a red flag and I would recommend passing. So you know, certainly, you know, again, you don't want to accept every single crew that's interested in renting from you. So, yeah.
0: I, I, one thing I'll hit right here is when you act above board, you can recognize people that don't. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think I think that's a, a great little caveat to that is yeah. if you if you if you know the rules and act accordingly you can tell who's not. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I really like is just the. I feel like you probably learned a lot about filming and professionalism on that side of it because it's a whole new business. It's not even real estate. You're not even the real estate business per se. Yeah,
1: you're
0: a film industry business, and I think yeah, there's a learning curve to learning that industry in itself of how people operate.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, certainly have, I will say that I, and thanks for bringing that up because I didn't mention it earlier, but that's something else that is another common misconception. Sometimes people say like, Oh, like, I don't know anything about like the film. I don't know anything about the film industry. Like, how can I do this? And, and, and look, let me be clear when producers or directors are looking at your location for a shoot, they're not looking at your skills as a filmmaker or, uh, yeah. you know, any aspect, they're simply looking at your location. And so if your location, if your house or your apartment, Meets the requirements, they're they're happy. You know, the, the one thing I will say is, I, I think again, it kind of maybe maybe related to this. So you know, look, you don't need to know anything about the film industry. I have obviously absorbed from you know yeah. kind of some of the the lingo or like some of the like seeing how it seeing how it works and you know what they what they call things. But I think the key thing is is just like allowing the shoot to, you need to be comfortable, allowing the shoot to run its course. So, you know, in, in the course that I teach, I actually interview a producer to, and we kind of have a discussion about, um, you know, how you can be a good host, like from the perspective of a producer. And it was interesting, and this woman, like, she's done shoots at, at my house before uh, with her production company. And, you know, one of the things she said is, and the first thing she said is, you know, Ooh, I don't like the, what she called the lurkers. You know, these are the people who are just like following, following you, following her around, and, and the crew. And not so much that she, you know, doesn't mind it, but you know, they're maybe casting shadows or getting in the, you know, kind of getting in the way of the of the shoot. So this is where proper screening comes in. So I know I get that some people might be, you know, might be nervous. Maybe it's their first time, but if you screen a crew properly, you know, screen the producer properly, assess that it's going to be a professional crew you should be able to, you know, let them in in the morning, but then kind of retreat to, in my case, I retreat to my home office, or, you know, kind of wherever you're going to be. And just let the let the shoot run its course, you know, Um, you'll be in touch, sort of periodically throughout the day, sort of check check ins, right at at different points. And this comes back to the kind of the communication strategies that that I've talked about. But yeah, for the most part, you know, you can and I think that's actually a benefit, right? Like you don't what I like about film shoots versus like, you know, Airbnb is like, you don't have to vacate your house, you know, you can remain in your, you can remain in your house, which I think is a, is a huge benefit. So, you know, people, people work from home, you know, you can kind of work from your home office and there can be a shoot going on downstairs. Right. And like I said before, you define the spaces in your house that you allow, you don't want any shoots upstairs and you're fine. That's, you can just, those are off limit spaces.
0: It is what it is. You make the rules, you set the parameters, right. you filter and you connect that's right and
1: facilitate Woo! what is a quote that is yours or somebody else's that you resonate with Ooh, a quote well i don't know if this is i don't know who who attributes this but you know just don't don't be afraid don't be afraid to to take risks and and, and make mistakes i think that you know especially in real estate you know beginner beginners in real estate are always afraid of you know losing their down payment, you know, making the wrong investment, making a mistake. But I think if you can you know, kind of change your attitude and think about, you know, look, we all make mistakes. And whenever you try something new, you're going to make mistakes. But, you know, think of it as as learning experiences. So in education and, you know, within the film shoot rental context, you know, we, we made a lot of mistakes. You know, I've, try, I've kind of cobbled, and and that was really kind of the driver sort of cobbling them all together to, kind of create this course to teach other people how to get into film shoot rentals, but you just have to, you know, don't be afraid to try to try new things. And and I think that, you know, film shoots are a a very low risk, we didn't really talk about, you know, talk about some of the benefits, but pretty low risk way to kind of get into real estate, It's, it's a real estate niche that doesn't require a down payment, doesn't require any underwriting, you already have your you already have your asset, right? So yeah, it's a very a very low risk uh, way to get into real estate. Where can people find you online? I think your website is very straightforward. Yeah. So filmshootrentals.com is the best place to uh, the best place to go. I can be reached at Josh at filmshootrentals.com. And yeah, that's uh, that's the best place to go.
0: Tell us about your course as well. What co- what's covered in the course? Where can people find it? I'm sure it's film filmshoot- filmshootrentals.com. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what, what's covered in the course, of the A to Z? Any questions? Does it come with uh, yeah, we yeah, can talk education like that.
1: Yeah, so you know, I launched the course because I kept talking to people and people were very interested and kept asking me, you know, all kinds of questions like, "Oh, how did you get into it? Like, what about this scenario? Like, w- aren't you worried about that?" And so, you know, after having so many of these conversations, I decided, you know what, like, really learned a lot over the the years that we've been doing this, and so put together this course that really allows people to go from, you know, not knowing anything about film shoot rentals to very quickly getting up and running and, you know, earning money from their homes without any typical investment that you would typically need for other traditional uh, means of real estate. So the course really starts with, you know, getting started. Okay, so how do I even get started in this niche? And then it gets into, you know, your listing creation. How do you create a compelling listing? How, how, do you, how do you market your location properly? What are pricing strategies that you wanna to employ to maximize profits for your, uh, for, for your space? We talked about, spend a lot of time on communication strategies to you know, ensure that the process runs smoothly, and that you, you actually finalize and, and book book the shoes to begin with. So turning inquiries into confirmed bookings. The course covers on shoot day, right? What, what to expect and what kind of strategies you want to employ for success. And then we also cover a lot of less common scenarios and how to avoid pitfalls. So, you know, multi-day shoots, overtime, local regulations. Uh, what happens when things don't go well? You know, if you have damages or, you know, someone's or Someone shows up with a crew size that's different from what you agreed on. How do you, how do you deal with all of, these, all of these situations? We also cover, I, like I mentioned the interview that I included with a producer, which I think is, is quite helpful to understand from a producer's perspective. But I also uh, include an interview with um, Amanda Hahn, who is a fairly well-known tax strategist and, and CPA. So she, she wrote a great book, Advanced Tax Strategies for the Savvy Real Estate Investor and you know we spent some time in an interview where we really deep dive into the the tax benefits and and nuances of film shoot rentals we also talked about you know you mentioned kind of the house rules and process so all of the templates scripts that i've developed uh to make this work over the years i include in the in the course as well and yeah depending on the depending on the plan it also includes a direct time with with me in terms of uh you know Q- Q&As, and you know, it might even help you write your listing description and join you, depending on the plan, for your first, what I call an intake call. That's kind of the initial phone call after someone expresses interest in using your space. And so if, if someone needs a little bit more handholding there, uh, I'll, I'll jump on the call uh, with them and that first one to, to help to kind of close the, uh, and book the shoot. Amazing. For everybody here, go check it out. Rentals.com.
0: i'll put the link in the bio of the episode and on youtube so please go check it out i appreciate your time josh i think i think i think we're gonna, have, we're, gonna we're gonna put ours on and figure out how to get it going i'm excited too because we've we've, ha- we've owned it for i think a year now we still yeah. we still got it for a while so it should be a good opportunity for everybody and we'll see what happens we'll who can make happen
1: i don't know yeah i want to hear about it
0: <laughs> all right thanks for coming on We appreciate you coming on. If you like this episode, go like, subscribe, share with a friend. Check out his course, filmstreetrentals.com and we will see you in the next episode. Stay tuned. Bye guys. Hey guys, we hope you're enjoying this content. If you have leads that you need to dispo anywhere in the country, please visit hivebc.io, like hivebuyersclub.io and we'll help you move those deals that you need to get into the marketplace.